Hi, I'm Steve. And I'm TC. And welcome to Movie Makeover, the podcast where we take the movies you love, thank you love, guilty pleasures, or downright hate, and give them a much-needed update. Every episode, we'll review the good, the bad, and ultimately the makeover, where we pitch our changes for the film or cast our own reboots. This week's movie is 1995's Batman Forever. Forever. (laughs) Which is directed by Joel Schumacher. Uh, starring Val Kilmer, Tommy Lee Jones, Jim Carrey, Nicole Kidman, and Chris O'Donnell. We also have a guest with us. We do. We also have a guest, a Batman stan. Uh, introduce yourself. Hello, everybody. My name is Diego. Like C said, I'm a big Batman stan, and it was part a lot of the reason was because of this movie. Um, first impression about it was, you know, I, I was a kid, saw it around when I was five to six years old, right before Batman and Robin. My first introduction to the character, and I was amazed by it. A lot of spectacle, a lot of colors. I loved it as a kid. Um, right now, as an adult, a uh, different opinion on that. But at the same time, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, my first reaction, uh, first impression of this movie when it came out was that I was about five or six years old. I was just the right age. Uh, maybe I was like eight. I was, I was a little bit older. I was just the right age to see this movie. And um, I had seen Batman and Ro- uh, Batman Returns on VHS, um, but it was just a little too dark for me, I think, when I was that young. And this movie really just kind of expanded my mind as to what a superhero movie could be. And I, like, really, uh, one of the things that I thought about was that before, like, the Spider-Man movies came out in the, in the 2000s, other than Superman, this was really it. And Superman hadn't come out with a movie since I was born. So, like, there wasn't anything else but Batman. And so I really just um, fell in love with this movie and fell in love with superheroes, I think, partly because of this. That, that's hilarious. All right, so I'm going to acknowledge this just so we can get a little bit more yeah, comfortable. Yeah. Um, this is our second time recording <laughs> this particular uh, episode because we had an equipment failure. So I'm going to make references to things that were said before. Um, just uh, so if you... We're, we're working if we, with... Uh, yeah, if we ever acknowledge something and you're like, I don't remember that conversation, just know that we had the conversation before, but it's <laughs> definitely relevant. Um, and I said that because um, in the first go around, Diego, you talked about how you think this is a perfect movie as an intro to Batman because it is made to appeal to children. It is brightly colored. It's stars that you know and recognize, beautiful people, explosions all the goddamn time. (laughs) The movie starts with an action sequence. It starts with like a crazy action sequence. I mean, if you want to call it that. (laughs) Very corny sandwich joke. Yeah, oh my... uh, We'll get into that later. Okay, so it's it's really hard. And as you can hear, I, I went into this movie... Being like, yeah, I'll watch it. I've, I'm sure every movie uh, has like a bad reputation because Batman Forever and Batman Returns are like known as being like some of the worst when it comes among Batman fans. And then I watched it. And I was like, no, this is this is sacrilege. <laughs> like I feel like as a Batman stand, I hate or Joel Schumacher hates Batman because there is no way anyone who loves the property, could do what they did to this movie. <laughs> and one of the things I, w- I want to say... No, no. Um, Batman and Robin. Okay, I was going to say, what yeah, Returns sorry. had a best uh, reputation like that. One, one of the things I want to say was that Mr. I went Fools. into this movie thinking that it was going to be shit and was actually surprised at how much I did find to like about it. And also, the most recent Batman movie I've watched before this was Batman and Robin. And to me, this is light years better than that It movie. gets worse? <laughs> 
Yes, <laughs> it absolutely gets worse. And that's partly why I'm like, no, there's some things to like about this. So maybe that's it. I'm looking at it from, because again, I, I mentioned it the first go around. Batman the Animated Series exists in this time. I think we can all agree Batman the Animated Series is the best representation of Batman will ever. Yes, yeah, most likely. But what I'm saying is for that to exist in this movie to come out, <laughs> I, you know what? You could have taken this movie away and just shown the first three episodes of Batman, uh, the animated series. Well, they, and I feel like it they did have better. a few Batman animated movies that came out, like Batman vs. the Phantom. There was a few other ones that came out um, in the 90s that were, that were pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I was just going to say that I think the animated series is like a fusion of what we saw in Tim Burton's Batman and Joel Schumacher, where we, tr- we get the true interpretation of what Batman is. You know, it's much darker, but you also get the colors. You also get a little bit of the campy tone. Mark Hamill as Joker. That Great. is, you yeah. know, more towards for, for, for kids. And that's what Batman Forever and Batman and Robin was its sole purpose for. So you kind of get a little bit, you touch his base on sure. a little bit. All right, so um, you go ahead and give us the critics for that. Yeah, okay. So like like Siege said, Batman Forever came out June 16th, 1995. It had a budget of $100 million. Do you guys want to guess how much it made? Um, like 200? 400. $336 oh, nice. million. Dollars. So <laughs> it definitely made a profit. It was a huge hit. Um, IMDb gives it a score of 5.4 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 38%. Which yes! Is- See, I am not wrong. <laughs> and Roger Ebert gave it two and a half stars. What? 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 His reasoning makes no sense. His reasoning for that was, which was mine, which that he felt Batman Returns was so dark and not for, like, Penguin stealing babies at night is was too dark for children, and he literally had black blood coming. Yeah, out. Yeah, it was so weird. <laughs> yeah. I will say this: but I am not a Burton. Batman That's Returns apologist. <laughs> I am not. I am just but saying this, this is the out- be- <laughs> this is the the cause and effect. We're the reason we- two left. Yeah. I'm just saying well, the reason we yeah, have no. this movie is because You're we right. had Batman Returns. That's really it. What it comes down to. So it's hard to separate that conversation. But that was uh, Roger Ebert's point of view. Okay. That's the problem with WB. They're too reactionary. Now. They Thank are. you. They're Thank way too you. reactionary. That's what I said to him earlier. It was like, to me, the issue is, it is not even that this is where we're at. It's that seeing what Marvel has been able to do with their secondary characters tells you how much they are wasting DC is wasting their Star Wars. But we get an Ant-Man movie. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. All these nobodies. No disrespect to them. They're they're cool and whatnot. But compared to like the top tier characters of Flash, Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, we Wonder still Woman have yet to get. Yeah, a but Flash how long? You know how I mean? long did it take us to get to Wonder Woman? Yeah. And by the way, saying, Wonder like, Woman was like a breath of fresh air. But we were like. Do you, do you guys understand what we want? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, is DC starting to get this right? But one of the, and then they did another movie. I'm like, no, no. One of the things I want to say, though, is that I feel, and one of the things I told CJ earlier was that I feel Marvel has been able to be so successful by seeing the missteps that DC has made. Watching You're these welcome, Batman, Marvel. Watching these Batman movies, watching the way they did that terrible Superman reboot, like... All of those things helped Marvel be like, we need to have a better plan for this. So you can thank Joel Schumacher for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. If this led to Endgame, I will allow it. It did. <laughs> it played a very important part in making this not for niche comic book fans, but for making it a, a mass appeal box office hit. Let's get into the summary. Okay. okay. 
Bruce Wayne slash Batman is thrown into contact with the beautiful Dr. Chase Meridian, played by Nicole Kidman, who is in Gotham to review the case of Two-Face, played by Tommy Lee Jones, uh, a psycho killer who blames Batman for his scarred split face. A romance develops between the two as Chase desires both Bruce and Batman, both played by Val Kilmer, unaware that they are the same person. He asks her to a charity circus event um, for him and the Gotham elite, but the event is crashed when Two-Face and his thugs decide to attend uninvited. A family of acrobats are killed by Two-Face, leaving only the youngest son, Dick Robin Grayson, played by Chris O'Donnell, alive and thirsting for revenge against Two-Face, who recently joined forces with the Riddler, an ex-employee of Bruce Wayne Enterprises, who has created a device for draining information from all brains in Gotham, including Bruce Wayne's secret identity. In the end, Batman is faced with a decision to save Chase or Robin from the Riddler's plan. And that is our movie. Um, I'll start out with the good, because it seems maybe I'm the the more sympathetic of this film. Um, I'll start off by saying uh, that I really um, love the way Gotham was portrayed. I know there's a lot of criticism, and I think especially Batman and Robin gets way too neon heavy. I didn't really care for the neon aspect of it. But the way the buildings are shot with like this huge architecture and there's like statues everywhere, it's very gothic. And I just thought it separated Gotham from a New York or a Chicago. Like when I'm watching the Nolan's Batman, I'm very aware that I'm in Chicago. Whereas when I'm watching these movies, it feels like I'm in Gotham. Well, okay. Again, my only thing with that is New York. Well, so Gotham is supposed to be a Chicago and uh metropolis is supposed to be a new york and i would have loved to see a little bit more of like the merging of those two so to me the fact that you were like oh when i watch nolan i get that i'm in chicago i was like that means nolan got it (laughs) no and i mean that that is true but i'm saying that for for as a kid going into a world like a comic book world this felt very unique to um you know the story of batman and yeah, I mean, like the, again, it's very, it's very '90s, but it does make sense that it's a little bit cartoonish. And I will give the movie credit for that. Um, and it I'm is, so surprised because you're such a huge cartoon fan, and that, you again, love it when movies are cartoony. And so that I think what you don't get from me is, as someone who loves cartoons, as someone who loves psychology, as someone who loves Batman, you should love I'm this like, movie. This has all the elements. And yet, you fucked each one up <laughs> uniquely. I don't understand how you did that. <laughs> In each way, you were like, yo, great idea. But what if we did it wrong? <laughs> Diego, what do you got? Diego, cast. Let's talk cast. What did you like? Man, I just love the performances of each um, of, of each cast member. I thought Val Kilmer, he's like very underrated as Batman and Bruce Wayne. To me, he's one of the best we've seen on screen closely right behind Christian Bale. To me, Ben Affleck is number one, no matter what. But right after... Well, can we pause and have this conversation real fast? Your top three are Ben Affleck, Christian Bale, and then Val Kilmer? Val Kilmer is real, literally right behind Christian Bale, like, so like an inch apart. I will ask this question, and it's really important, because are we talking Batman or Bruce Wayne? Or are we talking who's able to play the dual role? I think that that's Both. the question. All right, so Both. who's able to pull because, off a dual role? Yeah. Because here's the thing. I will say that I think that Ben Affleck does a great Batman, 
I'm not sold on him as Bruce Wayne. I think that he does a great Batman. Bruce Wayne, I'm a little like, mm, you're like I kind of get it, but it's a little bit more. I feel like he's a great Batman if we were doing Batman Beyond. Like, I like I feel like Bruce Wayne is that version. Who is your number one? Then? Well, see, my my number one is Val Kilmer. Oh, not Val Kilmer. Is is Keaton because of nostalgia? But I will say that if we're talking about the dual role of who switches from like the role of Batman. I don't know. That one's a little bit hard. That one I need to think about. But. I, I'll say that um, my number three is Keaton just because I felt he was a better Bruce Wayne than the Batman. I felt that uh, uh, Christian Bale was a better Batman than he was a Bruce Wayne. What I like about Val Kilmer's performance is that for the first time, we're understanding that it's not one or the other. Two are existing in one. This whole movie, the theme of duality, is really showcasing uh, a point of Batman that I don't think has been explored in other movies, which is how do you balance all of this? And, you know, it's it's briefly touched on in the other Batman movies, but especially this one, its central conflict is how are you going to be Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde at the same time? We're seeing that with Batman. We're seeing it with Riddler. With Two-Face is literally two people talking to each other in one actor like it's it's so cartoony but at the same time it keeps showing this duality that each character is struggling with even chase who is supposed to be this professional therapist but secretly has this obsession for this uh case that she thinks is fascinating no no and i i will say that i wrote down val kilmer does a really good job like i think he's in my good because there are choices that are made that i don't i don't place on him i was like i don't think that you messed up I think that Joel Schumacher messed up. I feel that way about the entire Two-Face character. Obviously, we'll get to that in the bad category, but that was my feeling towards him where I was just like, wow, of everything in this movie, I feel like they dropped the ball with his character the most. And you want to know why? Because that character wasn't supposed to be in this movie. It was supposed to be a Riddler movie, and they like shoehorned in another villain. And I think they shoehorned in the wrong villain, but we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. You could could clearly see that. Yeah, Yeah. what do you you have? Um... Everything else is good. Um, I mean, yeah, you touched on it, the whole duality aspect. Um, this is the first time that we really dig in deep with, you know, exploring Bruce's trauma and really trying to explain that in a way, um, in, in, in a way that, that we kind of never seen um, up to that point, up to Batman Forever. We didn't see it in Batman 89. We didn't see it in Batman Returns. This time, it's actually something that Bruce... And I think one of the, one of the things that in the original Batman that was hard as a as you know going back and watching it was knowing that Joker wasn't responsible for the death of Batman's parents. That was kind of shoehorned in to, yeah. to, to that movie. Um, and like so, when it was explored, I was kind of like left thinking, well, this doesn't really add up, and this isn't the way I thought it was. Whereas this movie, it wasn't really about the specifics of his parents dying. It was what does this mean for Bruce? How does this? Right. Yeah. What does? What? How is this trauma? impacted his need to be Batman. Like, there's one scene where Chase is like, you know, why does a man do this? Why does a man feel... What guilt does he carry that he feels he needs to pay a penance? Now, what the movie does right in in that argument is there's a scene where Bruce, you know, like, they have, like, the shadow. I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to make, like, Two-Face be the one who killed his parents? And he goes, no, it was me. I killed them. And Alfred's like, what? And he goes, he killed them. He goes, that's not what you said. You said I. And I was like, okay, see, again, now we're working with, like, the subconscious 
version of it. But again, it's just there's such a nineties understanding of psychology going on right Which now. Which I can't fault this movie for because <laughs> like I and one of the things I was talking about before was that there was this kind of trope of therapy and psychology being sexy, especially in this post Silence of the Lambs era that we're in, where like the idea of why a criminal does what they like that question of why was never really asked before Silence of the Lambs. And afterwards we do get this question which makes these the Batman's whole pantheon of villains so much more interesting than I think any other superheroes villains because they're the most extreme of mental health issues. Yes. And mm-hmm. like that Batman has a unique uh, uh, opportunity in his movies to talk about mental health in the way that other movies don't because of his villains. And I feel like, unfortunately, even though this wasn't done perfectly, this is the closest we get to how does mental health impact these characters and drive them to make the choices they make? I mean, so, again, as someone who is a huge fan of psychology, I, I, I'm here with you. I am there because exploring the psychology behind Batman, I think is phenomenal. The idea of Two-Face, again, I don't think they do it right and we're going to get into that, but like Two-Face having, having like torn desires or you know like literally wrestling with himself if it was like in a done correctly i would be like great idea bringing a psychologist into this who's just like no i want to explore what's going on with this town you got people dressing up like bats you got people you know like it's like i i love this whole idea a neon gang yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. the neon gang's ridiculous but what's really interesting is that you know bruce says a line um which is actually like I see a lot of similarities between this and other Jim Carrey movies, such as Cable Guy and The Mask. But one of the lines that Bruce says is, everyone wears a mask. And when you watch this movie, every central character is shown that to be true. Actually, that's a very good way. That's a, again, there, there are like, there are kernels, kernels of goodness. <laughs> but I will, you cannot make a meal out of well, it. Well, one of the things, you cannot tell me that there is something here. One uh, of the things I want to say is that um, I really like, and me and Siege disagreed about this, but... <laughs> I felt that there was such this level of obsession and, and, and insanity and the, the balance of obsession and insanity. And I, I saw that so clearly in Jim Carrey's performance and what the Riddler was. This person who was idolized Bruce Wayne. When Bruce Wayne first comes into the lab, he's so excited to see him. And you see heartbreak in his face when he's like, you are supposed to understand. You are the one who was supposed to get my grand vision for this. And this, like he says, like, I wouldn't expect anyone as handsome or as smart or as witty or like he's giving him, showering him with compliments. He admires this guy. You you hired me personally, Mr. Wayne. To see him get that heartbreak of just like, this guy who was supposed to change everything for me didn't go on board. And it's almost like Incredibles when yes. the, the, the central villain was pushed aside by the hero and yes. has since become a villain. I see that in this character. And I almost wonder what, uh, you know, Edward would have become if Bruce had decided to side with him. Now, I love that you brought up Incredibles. Because that is one that does it right. Remember I told you, there is no setup other than, hey, he's obsessed with him. And in that one scene, they're like, hey, you saw a collage of him with Bruce Wayne. He introduces an idea to Bruce Wayne, which Bruce Wayne has like, five seconds to think over it. And he goes, if you're going to 
to force me to give you an answer, my answer's gonna be no. Why? Because I'm a businessman who doesn't make rash decisions on the fly from someone I just met. But you're also... Like, <laughs> this, and we, what we learn, clearly based on how he reacted to all of this, is that this is a deeply disturbed character with mental health issues. So yes, it's very, it's very rushed the way they do it, but I think Jim Carrey is actually... A phenomenal actor in this movie because he's able to sell us on the fact that like there's these quiet moments where like he's actually kind of creepy oh no absolutely and and i didn't and like especially in the 90s coming from dumb and dumber and the mask and ace ventura i didn't expect to have those moments where i was like wow he's he's really acting in this all right so apparently it was supposed to be robin williams yeah it was they, 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 there was a lot of other actors considered, but yeah. Oh my god, can you imagine what Robin... I mean, like, that's for the makeover part. I, like, like, imagine what Robin Williams would have done with this. I actually don't think it would have... I think it would have been more in the Jack Nicholson category, and I actually yeah. like that we got something different So here's Jim Carrey. Okay, we're, again, I'm, I'm going to hold off, and now I can do it, because I had a chance to vent the first <laughs> go-around. But um, <laughs> in terms of the good, you, you both brought up uh, Jim Carrey's humor, and I will say that there is, like, I, I did laugh at the things, but my whole thing is, I'm laughing at Jim Carrey, not at the Riddler, sure. but, like, his whole thing was like, very few people are a summer and a winter. And, like, it's like, yeah, 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 it sounds a little bit like that. Um, one of the things I said in the first go-around that I just wanted to throw on, because I, I thought I really liked it a lot, was that um, in that scene where, you know, uh, Riddler has since killed the scientist that was, like, his boss... Uh, Bruce offers to give uh, health uh, benefits to uh, yeah. his family and yeah. they're like hey you know suicide isn't covered but he's like I don't care about that I want to give it anyway I thought that was just a really nice touch for his character to be thoughtful and to do something that um, wasn't like fueled by business you see that Bruce is trying to embody the good that he does with the mask on um, but Carrie Jim Carrey when Jim Carrey is watching that circus scene what? Can we talk about the circus scene for a yeah, second? Yeah, okay, okay. all right, all right. Because there's a lot of problems with the circus scene, but one of the things I love, one, is that you're seeing Jim Carrey having the time of his life watching this chaos going on. You actually see Tom, like, Tommy Lee Jones, even though his character is ridiculous, like, he is owning that scene. He is, like, every character is giving it 110%. You know what? I will say that scene as... Many problems as I have with that scene, that scene, I will say, is when the movie comes together. Yeah. Because everyone's playing their role. You have Bruce Wayne, who is just like, he's there on a date as Bruce, but he's kind of listening to uh, Chase again talk about Batman. And you can see him like wrestling with One of the things I really loved is like, uh, he's obviously he's trying to fuck Nicole Kidman, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, to be fair, who would not? But he's like, <laughs> he, I love this because he was like, so I'm going rock climbing next weekend. <laughs> like, well, I'm sure you would like her to climb your rock, Bruce. Like, that's the cheesiest shit. Um, but w one of the things I was going to say about this scene that I love is that we do get the introduction of Robin. And one of the things that I love about this movie is Robin's character. I love his arc. And I also love what him dealing with his trauma forces Bruce to look at in his own life and how he's dealt with trauma and hey don't make the same mistakes i did don't make your whole life about revenge as soon as robin sees his family die all he wants to do is kill two-face and i think that bruce sees that and he's like you know what i'm not gonna have you make the same mistakes yeah so touching on that something that i don't think a lot of people have really pointed out or looked at is like what you were saying he's he, he's trying to he's mentoring robin because that's what he's been going through 
which it makes sense because like I noticed because I just saw 89 and then I just saw Batman Returns in, in theaters again. And I noticed, dude, Batman was actually killing people in these movies. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's like subtle. This was the first moral code. Yeah. yeah. But it was like, he was actually really killing. So when they bring this up, like he, he mentioned a line where, uh, at one point you're going to look for another face and then another, and then another, and then another. And it's just, and, and that pain's not going to go away. And it's like, wait, it makes sense because men, Batman is actually men. going to do you know what? This is okay. I will give you again. You're making me give you points, and I will add points. Great point. <laughs> it's quite funny uh, because at the same time, at the very end, when they're going in that to Riddler's little hideout, he leaves those goons to pretty much drown and die. Yeah, yeah. In, in the net, so it's it's it's, it's kind well. Of, there, there's that idea that I don't have to kill you, but I don't right. have to save you, and I think that was one of the things that kind of uh, brought came up later in the movie. But. Um, I, mean, I, I don't know how they're going to escape. They're probably going to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, just, yeah. it's just ironic. Robin. Um, one of the things I want to say was that I really love how he went from I have to kill Two Face to getting to this point in the movie where he's like he has the opportunity to kill Two Face at the end of the movie, but he chooses to extend his hand and to save him, saying, "I'd rather see you rot in jail." To me, to have this character go from nothing is driving me more than wanting to kill this man, the opportunity coming and him going, you know what? I'm better than this. I thought that was probably the best evolution I've seen in a superhero movie up until that point of someone going, no, I'm going to be a hero here. So the only thing with that is like, it's, it's good, but it was just very subtle. It was, it was very, very quick. So we don't really get to see like why he actually transformed that way. Yes. All right. So that, there are a few, I, I'm like, I'm trying not to do it into the bad, but with, specifically with Robin, Everyone else in the circus saw his parents die. He didn't. So, it's like, it's like, even with Batman, well, he Batman came back to see his, the dead bodies there. Yeah, yeah, but what I'm saying is, it's one of those things where it's like, this, again, I blame the editing and I don't blame the actors. Because everything you're saying, all the points that you guys are making as far as story is concerned, I think fall into good. I think having Robin have an arc. I think having the Riddler have an arc. Yeah. All of these things make sense and it's there. But it's not shown and that is my issue with this movie. Um, because, again, Robin didn't see and all it would have taken was a second for him to come back, pop his head up in that little peephole yeah. like a, a couple of seconds earlier and literally be there when Nicole, Batman, yeah. and everyone else literally sees that moment impact where they hit the ground. That is like a yeah. That would be oh shit, dude! You just well, he saw was, that. I feel like you're if your entire family died watching them or not. I feel like you're going to be shook. Well, yeah. you're going to be shook. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, it's it's completely different. I will say to this moment, and I mean like right now, in Spider Man. Sorry, I think it's like the Amazing Spider Man or whatever. The one with um, Andrew Garfield. Yeah, Andrew Garfield. When Gwen Stacy snaps, yeah, that little second where it's like he tries to save her and it's just like a yeah. That traumatized. Yeah, me. yeah. <laughs> like a, that, that's what I'm saying. It's like that moment that stays with you. Yeah, I, was say, like, <laughs> I think they did the Grayson's death excellent. They did, like, but I, like, just I, if they would have seen. I rewatched seen... it last night, and I was shook. Yeah, I, I was. I was completely shook because we all saw it. That's my point. Like well, we all saw it, and having Robin see it would have been so much more impactful because that's what that's what motivated Batman. It's not that his parents were killed and he turned a corner. It's like it happened in front of his eyes. I, well, different yeah, trauma, people deal with it differently. 
one of the things I do want to say, I kind of want to give Joel Shoemaker credit for. This is the one thing, one scene I was just like, this is actually pretty good. And when you, nothing and when you go back and watch it, I want you to pay attention to this. Because when Batman has his flashback of his parents dying, there's like a light on his parents' body. And it's a perfect circle. And the bodies are laying in the circle the same way that Grayson's families are lying in the circle in the, in, in the circus. So like the fact that Batman was obviously shook and his trauma was sparked by this it's like they i know it's very subtle and there's not a lot but it's a kid's movie and for this movie to have something that subtle of like he is seeing a mirror trauma um with his own i thought was really well done we said this in the first one i will say it again i never noticed that and you're right but i feel like what you're saying is after the ninth watch of this oh, movie, of course, of course, I'm able to dig out what they were going well, for. Also, and to me, that all of makes this it a terrible all, movie. All <laughs> of this is missing from Batman and Robin, so that's why I'm able to notice it a little bit more because I've seen it without even this. <laughs> um, one one other thing I want to say for the good was that, um, and excuse me, because I'm kind of losing track over what I said. It was yeah, recording, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, did I talk about him becoming Robin? Yes. And, and this one, okay, okay. Yes. Um, but uh, I was going to say that there's this uh, evolution of Jim Carrey's character where, you know, like, you see him obsessing over Bruce. You see him wanting to become Bruce. There's a scene in where they're throwing this party for uh, his uh, Jim Carrey's new contraption and he's wearing the same exact suit as bruce wayne bruce wayne has these gold metal framed reading glasses jim carrey pulls out the same ones they don't actually have anything he just <laughs> puts them on and off to prove a point how's my mole he's trying to become just like batman just like bruce once he realizes that bruce wayne is batman the riddler then shifts to becoming obsessed with riddler to becoming obsessed with batman it fuels his obsession to become bigger and more ambitious and at the end of this whole movie at the end of this arc of this man obsessing over bruce wayne he gets to the point where he's in an insane asylum and nicole kidman says who is batman and he goes i am batman and he's like flapping his wings he's made the full turn from like full obsession to i am now this character um and i just thought that was really well done yeah honestly now, now that i think about it he's probably one of the most um underrated comic accurate um batman villains we've seen on film because I, of that only because of that reason that obsession yeah we, we we haven't really seen a villain like him where he's like super obsessed the way that he is in the video games and the comics and the, the cartoons. and for jim carrey to do it with such humor but again being right on that edge of a little bit creepy at points like i i really do struggle like when i see the list of people that they considered like I'm sure Robin Williams would have done great, but it would have just, it would have been a completely different interpretation of it. And I think for the better. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, it maybe. But um, I just thought Jim Carrey was able to really elevate this. And I, regardless of how you feel about the movie, you walk away knowing that this guy is a fucking movie star. Like he is able to just attract attention and to push a story forward with this comedy in a way that is very, very rare of the time period. He, he made this movie to me. He really did. Also, here's the thing. That, okay, so, first of all, that to me is a problem. Can we go on to the bat now? What else do you have? <laughs> I, will say, I will say that, like, the, part of the reason why the Riddler and Robin kind of stood, stood out to me is because they're the only ones that evolved. When we pop into this movie, Batman is Batman. 
Two-Face is Two-Face. Like, we're not seeing them become... I love the scene where Riddler's, like, trying on different outfits, and he's like, oh, maybe I'm this guy. Maybe I'm that guy. I love him just, like, being a normal person trying to figure out, how do I do this super villain thing? In the same way that, like, um, Michelle Pfeiffer is, like, stitching together the Batwoman clothes. Like, I just... It makes a human element to it, where it's like, this isn't superheroes. These are regular people trying to throw this together. Yes, and no. I think everything... Like, if you want to talk about duality, I think every single good point that you bring up can be shot down immediately, because what they do is they completely like take away from that moment by having the Riddler costume already exist in his world with that little machine thing. And what I say by that is having coming up with your identity and coming up with all these things, you know, it's like who should I be? The Quizzler, like or the Puzzler, or anything like that, that makes sense. You're as you're right. That's human. That's very much us. Yeah. But the mere fact that like at the end, it's just a question mark. Like, here's the thing. If it would have ended on the question mark and he was just honestly thinking about it and we didn't see the entire, the entire costume on a mannequin in the background, oh. then that would be a great thing. But the idea that they go, oh, he just looked over his shoulder in something that apparently you could just buy and no one was like, and then where'd you get the pants to it? It's just like, there's so many things where I'm like, <laughs> I will say, well, that are we not there? All, all the not are on my bad category. Um, I would, I, I want to throw this out there. Who do you think, do you think there was a better superhero villain? Yes. Pri before Heath Ledger? As Joker. Do you think Jack Nicholson does a better job at being a villain than Jim Carrey? Because I truly don't believe he does. Um, I wouldn't say he was anywhere close to Heath Ledger, but I don't he think was, they were trying. one of the better ones. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, like I, I have never, up until this point, up until 1995, I've never seen someone take a villain role and be like, no, I'm going to sink my fucking teeth into this. And I didn't see that dedication in Jack Nicholson. I didn't see it in Danny DeVito. And may, maybe I need to go back. Danny DeVito is fucking crazy. Maybe I need to watch that movie again. But there is just this thing of just like, yes, I'm the villain, but you guys don't understand. The villain's the best role, and I'm going to fucking live this Selena up. Kyle. I, don't, um, I was going to say that, but the thing is, she wasn't really a main villain. In a way. Yeah, yeah, but what I'm saying is, if, if anything, that's the beauty of Catwoman. That duality of being like, hey, I'm kind of on the verge. I can go either way. Even in the new one, they that's her role. Her role is, I'm kind of a villain and I'm kind of a bad guy, but I can be redeemed and I can be saved. And for her yeah. to play and told that line, to me, for, yeah. that's beautifully Yeah, done. I was going to say, like, for who she is as Catwoman, she, yeah, I think she did a phenomenal job. Yeah, I just think it takes really talented actors to make these comic book personas work well. And I, I know that to be true because Uma Thurman and Arnold Schwarzenegger are not those people. No. All right, so I think, you know what it is for me? Um, and can I, can I go in the back? Yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's go, 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 go. Let's go. The back. reason why I say this is I just want to say that for me, let's just start off with the bad in terms of Batman lore. In sure. terms of Batman lore, A, they don't treat Batman with any of the respect that you have so much material to choose from. Batman does not smile. He smiles in this movie. Like, not Bruce Wayne smiling. You could have had Bruce Wayne smile. You had Batman smile. No. Um, <laughs> One of the things I put for my bad was, like, immediately I was like, this... They could have done a much better job of linking this universe to the Tim Burton universe. Yeah, they it just feels kind of... like we're in a completely different... The, 
if Alfred wasn't in this movie, I would think it was a completely different franchise. Yep. Like, yeah, but they even reference. She goes, or oh, like Nicole Kidman's character is like, oh, do I need to put Catwoman. on like uh, yeah. tight leather? I think yeah. visually they could have done a better job of like, hey, we need to make this look like these films are connected, so it can't be a completely different everything. Um, yeah, I, yeah, and I he, think they could have done better. The with only that. thing connecting that entire franchise was Alfred yeah. and Jim Gordon. Yeah, which, by the way, Jim Gordon was. Terrible. Yes. Yeah. Why, Thank why you. Even well, I'm not getting the casting like, yet because oh I'm going gosh. back to that. But what I'm saying is, with Batman, specifically with these properties, you have so much to choose from. And I think right off the bat, what they did wrong were the villains that they chose to show. And what I mean by that is, if you tell me that the Riddler is actually the Mad Hatter, very close but different, I will allow this. If you change Two Face. To the Mad Hatter. And it's now the Mad Hatter and uh, the Riddler. Again, makes sense. I am with you. There's just, other than the fact that they wanted to do duality, there's no reason for the Two-Face to be in there. I'll agree with that. And Two-Face is more of the secondary villain. He's not only the secondary (laughs) villain. He, one, he's not as smart as Jim. He doesn't really bring anything to the table, but like his henchmen and like his violent power, like the violence that comes with being like, they almost have him as like this mob boss, but that's not what we know Harvey Dent to be. So like that all falls apart. And the fact that we've established Harvey Dent earlier in the series as a completely different actor and as, you know, the DA... To show, like, they gave him such a shitty, like, TV on the in the background. Like, oh, yeah, uh, Harvey Dent was in court. And some other, like, Maroney scarred him. But he blames Batman for it. What? Exactly. And like, then, again, like, even, yeah. even in that scene, it gets on, like, part of half his face. It's a perfect line down the center. But for some reason, the rest of his body is, it just, it doesn't make sense. And touching on that, um, I don't know if I just don't have much knowledge in acid, but how did, how did that make him crazy? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Again, again, this is what I said. It's like, they do a, a, they do a fantastic job in terms of Two-Face in the Nolan Batmans. And we're not going to focus on Nolan. But I'm just saying, what they do is they explain to you how this person who was such an upright citizen, now, because he's so disfigured and because he's lost so much, is like keeps going back between one side of himself, the side that wants to do right, and the other side of himself, who's just like, fucking burn it to the ground. And that, that would be so easy to do. But what they have Tommy Lee do is basically be the Joker in a non-Joker movie. I was going to say that there's so... I completely agree with that. He was more of a Joker than anything. Honestly, both of these characters embody so many um, attributes that I attribute to the Joker that I was just like, oh, they basically just have like a smart Joker and a dumb Joker. Like, that's what it feels like. Like, as much as I love what Jim Carrey did, and I actually, I mean, I actually think Tom Lee Jones did the best he could with the character. The fact is that there's nothing that really distinguishes one person's how one person is treating their mental health versus the other person exactly and everyone's also, just wacky yeah and then also if you want to go there and it's something that again this is early 90s so we can't really blame but it's like the idea that because he is now split he always references himself as yes. two people no this it's drove like, me fucking yes. crazy because we're really upset we're really no no no, no. that's not how Two-Face works. And that's also just, like, not a mental health problem that I think is real. This whole, like, um, ladies, you spoil us. Like, I, the whole, 
The fact that he got two women to go <laughs> along with this ridiculous premise of you're going to stay on this side, you're going to stay on this side, you're going to dress this way, you're going to dress this way, you're not going to acknowledge the other person or the person that I think Which, I am. Again, so like, let's talk about that because we always bring up the Bechtel cast about women being able to speak. These two women, like, they're always, very rarely are there two women in a scene. And when they are, it's like, don't you dare look over to that woman. Yeah. <laughs> she does not exist to you. <laughs> She's like, even, like, they're just. And so they're just, yeah. they're literally thoughts like that there's no other <laughs> purpose in this movie just to be like hey Drew Barrymore is going to come in and she's going to be quick to fuck both the Two-Face the Riddler and Bruce Wayne whoever's available she wants to do it yeah like what again and it's just like there are there are lots of things in this movie like that don't have what specifically like not only the main characters but there's like this one all-American girl who just shows up out of nowhere during the thug oh, scene. The thug and I was like, scene. all right, so let's be honest. White that, <laughs> that white girl is not in that neighborhood for no reason. Bitch was up to something. Let's just call it like we see it. 100%. Because she, she was trying to buy drugs or she was doing something she wasn't supposed to do and she got caught up and Robin saved, I would argue, the wrong person. But they were just like, oh, because there's no reason for her to be there. <laughs> there's there's no reason The thugs didn't stumble up, upon a school she was in their territory. <laughs> so this brings me to... Oh, no, go ahead, Diego. Yeah, just I have two quick points. Speaking on that, I don't think you mentioned on this on this um, recording, recording, but the previous one, how you mentioned that one of the good things for you was the diversity. Yeah. And you just talked about um, one of the moments where we saw the most diversity. And it was actually, other than the black mayor, everyone else that was, like, of color... Was in this gang. Was in the neon gang. <laughs> well, they were, like... Bruce no, Wayne's thugs. Bruce Wayne's um, secretary. Yeah. Okay. So Man, who we get a name? I well, what I say was that there was, that there was the actually game. the gang wasn't just people of color. It was a diverse group. So yes. I did appreciate that there was like white people in this gang. And actually, so I do oh, want to bring up. Let I me talk so. about that real quick with the diversity and diversity. I guess what you brought up it can be like borderline. But I said diversity is so normalized in this era. Mm -hmm. And to me, what I realized when I did my research is like, this is 95. This is the year of the OJ trial. Yeah. And it is after that. It's like, so from like late 80s to early 90s, we have Captain Planet. We have like all of this inclusivity and like everyone's fine. OJ gets off and all of a sudden Hollywood's like all black people. Back to, the, back to the shed. And, and, and to your point, what I said before was that um, Marlon Wayans was actually up for the role as Robin had signed on for it, and they purposely chose to replace him with a white actor. I mean, because honestly, I thought about it from literally from 95 to like mid-2000s, name a black person who is allowed to do anything besides make us laugh. Well, not well you know what? I will say this, <laughs> because although it didn't have the mass appeal of these movies, Blade really did a lot for me as a kid. Like, I loved seeing Wesley Snipes' Blade. That was the only black superhero I knew of. I'm not going to lie, I've never seen Blade. Okay, all right. Well, <laughs> that, that, that's fair. But, like, that's also the first successful Marvel movie as yeah. well, was, was Blade. Like, we owe the Marvel Universe to Wesley Snipes, in a way. Um, and Joel Schumacher. And, and Joel Schumacher! <laughs> you know I told you, I won't, I won't do it. I won't. Well, when, <laughs> when, when did Blade come out? Blade came out in, like, 98. Oh, okay. So, like, there wasn't definitely a superhero drop. This was after Batman, and I think right. part of the reason was that Batman and Robin did so terribly that Blade didn't really get the attention. Um, one of the things I want to say is that uh, although I love the way Gotham was very 
a gothic. I hated neon. I hated the neon. I hated seeing neon. I thought neon had no place in this world of like old fashionedness. Um, it wasn't something that, and like the whole idea that like everything lights up, everything lights up. Jim Carrey's jacket lights up. The gang members are all in like, why? It just seems so extra. There are lots of things again in this that just don't make sense in terms of Again, like, I guess it, 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 my whole thing is, like, if you want to be a cartoon movie, be a cartoon movie and don't explain things, and that's fine, but stick to it. And try to toe the line. Back, and you it can't go yeah. back and forth. Because one of the things is, take Joker's uh, whole establishment. Just find the contractor who did that. Because, honestly, if you want to know, like, that that was made. That was split down the line. Joker, uh, not Joker, which, again, that's the problem. Is like, Two-Face's whole layer is split right down the middle. And the, everything is the, dedicated the, the to The apartment it. is yeah. ridiculous. And it's just like, okay, so find whoever was the contractor for that. And yep. you now have Two-Face. Same thing with the Riddlers. At the end, the Riddler has this whole skyscraper-like area. And I'm telling me... I'm like, you're telling me that you can't find the contracting crew who made this thing seemingly overnight? <laughs> like, I, I mentioned this before, talking about the cast, or not cast, but the characters. Jim Gordon is completely just trash in this entire franchise. That that brings to my point, like, where the hell is the police in, in these movies? <laughs> okay, so this, this brought up a huge point for me, which was... What warrants the bat sign being shown? Is it only supervillains? And is there not a better way? Dude, a phone <laughs> number. An unlisted phone number for Commissioner Gordon to be like, hey, not trying to, like, hope that you'll look up. Okay. I'm actually going to call you and let you yeah, know. Yeah, so a few things. One about that. We just have a Chase, Dr. Chase, just go up and turn it on. So, like, does any... Like, yes. Is this is a public spot? Yeah. Is it open to the public? You just... Who is, who's in charge of this? And, like, so there's that. <laughs> then there's the fact that in... There's a scene later. Again, I just... I, I told you. I hate the casting director. The casting director is on my bad list. Mally Finn, you deserve to sit in a corner somewhere because she not only did she cast people who like can't deliver their lines, but there's a scene where um, the bat signal is being overtaken with a question mark and Commissioner Gordon goes, Who's doing that? By the way, we know of the Riddler at this point in time. <laughs> no, it was the cop that asked that. Jim Gordon answered, "It was it's the Riddler. Well, again, it's just like at that point in time, what do you mean who? Where are you? You know what? I think I was more so taken back with the fact that whatever's making this Riddler sign does not exist. <laughs> this is the fucking sky. Are we going to really talk about how lazy this is? Yeah. Well, all right, so there's, there's that. And then, also, again, talking about casting, so many small roles. Like, did they just hire people who had literally stepped out I of wonder acting why one? That, like, you know, Tooth Face had Drew Barrymore and some random chick. Well, no, you no, get a cameo? No, no, no. Here's what I'm saying is, and it's actually not a cameo. That that uh, whoever plays that person, she's uh, a well-known actress. Is she okay. She is. But what I'm saying is, there's in the very beginning in our opening scene, the guy who's a hostage. Oh my god! It's boiling acid! There's so much exposition. And I'm just like, Sh- show me, don't tell me. That's like, like, it's just like, he says all of his lines. Yeah, it's really Again, cartoony. That yeah. whole thing where he's like, he ripped it over and he's like, it's a trap! Okay, you know what wouldn't have worked? If you would have, uh, 
you, if you just would have shut up, <laughs> that entire thing wouldn't have worked because he wouldn't have seen you. Yeah. And you would have walked right on by. The fact that you mumbled, the fact that you yelled. Again, later on, there's the gossip columnist who's just like... I, this gossip columnist, she's in Batman so Returns. So annoying. But she is so annoying. She's terrible. Like she says things. 40s radio host. That's what I'm saying. Bruce, <laughs> darling, who are you wearing? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to bring this up because uh, you mentioned casting director who... Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, hired people that couldn't de- de- deliver the lines. I disagree. Like, I think the cast, the central was, cast, was, yeah. was was fantastic and whatnot. But I think it's a little misguided, and I want to get to like the root of all all the bad. And I touched <laughs> on this in the on the previous recording, and it's all down to WB being super reactionary to um, the Tim Burton Batman about being too dark and. And that's the problem with the studio it swung of it being way very, too far the other very, way. Yeah, they went left a little too quick, um, and um, that's kind of the root of everything: the campiness, the tone, the jokes. And I said this earlier: how Nicole Kidman. If, if Disney was to acquire DC, yeah. this is the kind of Batman movie we would get. Yeah, and no, obviously it again, doesn't work. I disagree because Nicole Kidman whispers the entire movie. She has that breathy. Jessica Rabbit thing. Right? Just like, is, why is she why? not? Like, that's is she's trying to be this noir like, like sex pie. Again, so okay, no, no, no. You either go noir or you yeah. go camp. You do not. You can't do both. That does, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what they my fail. issue. What again? The, again, there's like um a dialogue where she's just like, I, I had problem with like the script where she says, "What are you protecting me from?" Like when she's talking, yeah. I was like, "Oh, you mean this again?" millionaire, most rich person in the world, even if he wasn't a superhero. He's not just going to give in to some woman he met five minutes ago. He would be protecting you from all of the things, or protecting himself from all the things that comes with being the richest person in town, meeting a stranger who came from out of town. Also, we learned this with Vicky Vale and Batman. We learned this with Selena Kyle and Batman Returns. Like the fact that he doesn't even consider, like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't pursue a relationship with this person for her own safety. <laughs> yeah. Like it never occurs to him when every time he falls in love with someone, they end up in jeopardy. And that's one of the problems I have with this franchise. Is I think we touched on it earlier. The continuity. Yes. It's just not there whatsoever. The it feels like two different worlds. It, it feels like two different worlds. It feels like, again, there's no thought into... There's this whole thing where, um, as you said, um, Edward Nygma, when he's trying to, like, you know, mimic uh, Bruce, Bruce yeah. Wayne and all this other stuff, they say things to Bruce, like, he's making more money than you have. Yeah. And it's just like, Bruce Wayne has family money. Yeah, okay? no, there's you know, no way. He has... This everything, is everything in this town is named after Bruce yeah. Wayne. So you're going to tell me this dude who, by the way, essentially just invented the internet before before yes. we knew okay. how to describe the internet? There is, there is something, okay, that I fucking hate it. Because there were so many points that you were like, you know what, Bruce Wayne wouldn't do that. And I thought that too. There's, so there's two things in particular. <laughs> One was the fact that he has this Apple Watch that does like video calls. And I said, I, th- I saw that and I was like, that's the most Batman gadgety shit that I had ever seen. Like, are you telling me that people are seeing that and going, hmm, seems like something Batman would have. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why are you flashing your tech out in, in the public like that? Like, that's for Batman. That's not for Bruce Wayne. By the way, again, there's the whole idea that in his office, in 
Wayne Manor? Somehow, there's like chair, and it just like, is there nothing, nothing from his top floor to wherever he's going to that gets him directly to this back cave area yeah. underneath Bruce Wayne Enterprises? Um, is there just like a they would have to be like just a wall off it's, it's, for it's, that whole thing. It's and all also, ridiculous. it's activated by chair. Not like a button or anything. Just the word chair. Yeah. And you're telling me no one has ever said chair in that office. It makes no sense. I tried to talk my notes into my phone and I got random shit. <laughs> like, technology fails. One other thing I want to say that really drove me crazy was, because there's a ton of things I like about the circus scene. And I want to talk about the things I don't like. For Bruce Wayne to stand up and say, Harvey... I'm Batman. Only loud enough for the people around him to hear it is the most that Bruce would I never mean, not hear that. ever. He's literally right next to me. Ever. Ever. So I watched the cinema scene and the gossip columns. Yes. yes. I'm gonna say the like, gossip the columnist, heck? gossip columnist on one side, Chase on the other side. I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and like, like no, everyone's like, nah, it's too chaotic. I couldn't hear anything you said. No. no never. This, it, it makes again, I have a lot of problems with this thing. Also, you guys both love Robin, and I will I will I will even step back from the hatred that I had of it. But the thing that I really have a problem with is this movie's interpretation of a bad boy. And it's just like the most non he has an earring and he likes to ride motorcycles. It's a very you no know he it's is. a very nineties yeah. Dylan McKay yeah. version of a bad boy. Yeah, it's just like this is the farthest thing from a bad boy, from a rebel. By the way, this is a grown ass man. Yes. Okay, so <laughs> that's that's, that's what, what I my, my main criticism. How old is this kid supposed to be? Because at Seriously, one point yep. he's like, yo, the only reason I even did this was so I wouldn't have to worry about social services. You're 25 years old, Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> Why do you care about this? Go live your okay, life. You know, like, let's say, let's say, let's give it that he is 17. There's no way. There's <laughs> no way. That's still too old to me. It's man. too old. Robin not, needs to be younger and he yep. needs to be more street. Like, I'm he not needs different. to have that. That's, that's, why, that's what I'm saying. It's just like, as you said, he was like, I did this to not worry about Child services. Okay, so first of all, you're telling me that there are no hotels in all of Gotham. There is not a single family. Uh, by the way, you've been traveling way, with the circus your whole life. No one wants to be with you? Your whole life and the circus just left. And, they just left and a huge part of their act just died. And they're like, yo, we got to hit that show in Denver. <laughs> it just makes no sense. But also, you're telling me that the only place in all of Gotham to put up this newly orphaned 17-year-old... Who is days away at best from turning 18 and just being on his own is Wayne Manor. Well, see, and what I would have liked, and I, I'll obviously talk about this a little bit more in the makeover, was just that I would have liked if Bruce had requested. Like, yes. hey, like, I know what it's like for someone to do this. Commissioner Gordon, you know me as Bruce Wayne that I've gone through this. Let me be the mentor to this guy. Like, if he had reached out, would have made much more sense than Gordon going... We got nowhere else for him. Yeah, yes, exactly. I That's agree. what I'm saying. Sure. Are you guys have any more bad? Because I have. Yeah, yeah. I just have. Makeover. I just. I just have a few more things I want to throw in there. Yes. Um, uh, this news network, GNN, <laughs> um, kept recording the circus attack on television. Like people died. Uh, again, watch the Simpsons on this one. They point out that not only that, but they also apparently had multi cameras during. Yep. Uh, Harvey Dent's whole accident, like several different angles. <laughs> um, oh, but also, you we talked about diversity again. One of the newscasters is Asian, uh, and this is what I'm saying it's like it's just regular and throughout the movie. 
Um, and again, we get a few speaking roles with people of color, which you don't always get. Usually they're just background characters. One of the scenes that I absolutely hate it in this movie that I want to get rid of entirely is that scene where like um, he's talking to Chase and he looks up and he sees the bat sign or whatever. He goes out and then we have this car chase with Two-Face that that whole scene can be deleted. It's a bunch of old cars with like machine guns that do nothing. They have no purpose. And then it's the whole scene is to show off the dumbest thing possible, which was the Batmobile driving up a wall. And the whole like, hey, the Batmobile is going to lift up and it's like going to wrap this thing around the thing that he knows is there and he's going to hit the mark (laughs) and he's going to drive up. And I saw that shit and I was like, why is this in this two hour movie? Why is this movie two hours to include this shit? Like, it it doesn't serve the plot. It doesn't do anything but just like, hey, let's have another action sequence. Again, the things they... I loved it, but as an adult, I'm like, what? The things they do with Batman do not make sense. So, okay, I just... Really really quick. Chris O'Donnell stumbles in to the Batcave. Literally. And then... Intruder alert, intruder alert. Does it hide anything? Nope. It nope. closes everything. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, hey, oh, you want to see our shit? Here it is. In the back. And so, okay, you can, I, I, will give, I, will, I will give them a hint of something and say, oh, Alfred purposely like left it open because Alfred, for no, some no. insane reason. I know the reason. <laughs> because, this, and this drove me fucking crazy about the movie. When I saw it, it drives me crazy to this day. That the reason why Robin became Robin really should have been because he saved the whole group that was in the circus almost single-handedly. Like, yes. he was the hero and never got that recognition. No one was like, hey, you saved our town. Thank you. Yes. It just went straight into the story. It wasn't until he was like, you know what? I'm not going to dry my clothes. I'm going to fucking jujitsu. <laughs> hang my Ninja laundry is the most ridiculous shit that Alfred was like, Maybe this guy should be with Bruce. No, no, no. I mean, like, again, it's stupid. It's waste of time. It's, like, wait, like water all over the floor. Yep. <laughs> like, like, and, again, it's just... And he goes... That line, that scene is stupid. Because he goes, I'm not used to having people pick up after me. So I'm going to ninja my clothes. <laughs> like, who, who does... Who ninjas their clothes? This is stupid. <laughs> You're telling me Bruce Wayne can't, doesn't have a dryer? <laughs> Bruce Wayne. By the way, that laundry room is so not. Yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. Rich. Again, that's it's what, not like that's a hotel room. Yeah. A hotel laundry room. Bruce Wayne has a car museum, but didn't spring for that uh, for the laundry. Maytag. <laughs> it's ridiculous. One other thing that I. Uh, well, obviously, I hate all of the outfits that everyone wears in this movie. Nipple. Okay, okay. Yeah, there's bad nipples. Out. There's oh, bad ass. Talk about bad nipples. There's. The, also, we've seen both of these men shirtless. Why do their costumes have so many abs? Who are you trying to impress? <laughs> you don't have that body. We've seen it. But again, like, again it's like, it doesn't make sense. First of all, the, Joel Schumacher's whole thing was like, he was like, oh, I wanted to pay homage to Greek statues. And that's not A, that's not what Batman's known for. Nope. Yeah. B, even if that's the case, you have statues literally everywhere. everywhere. Yep. We got the homage. You know what? <laughs> even if he wanted to be like, you know what? I want to make these men seem intimidating, like with their armor, like, okay, fine. The fact Military that, armor, that, that both <laughs> Batman, Robin, and the Riddler have time to do full eye makeup before putting on their mask. <laughs> the fact that Batman and Robin both get thrown in the ocean, evidently, come back, 
perfect eye makeup. Who? Why? Why would you make something so impractical? You, know what, you have to spend 15 minutes on your eyes before you go out and save I the world. I think Batman is responsible for no cry concealer. Everybody, they have to be. They were like, you know what? That's what we need. This is we need. <laughs> Jim Carrey evidently has time to dye his hair every back time. He back and forth. Why? <laughs> and it doesn't even look done. It looks professionally done. They were like, hey, Jim, you shot all your scenes as new. Oh, now you're going to come in and just be Riddler. I had a huge problem with that because there's moments where he's Edward Nigma. Yeah. And then he's the Joker back and forth. But like one has a haircut and dyed red hair. Yep. And the other one is just normal. And all of it looks natural. And his hair is longer. <laughs> yes. His hair is longer than the scene it was insane. before. It doesn't make sense. It, it makes absolutely no sense. And again, I just it drove me crazy because if I don't have a problem with the campiness of this movie. I have a problem that's with the problem. inconsistency <laughs> in this movie. That, that's my guess. If you, yeah, you can, Jimmy, why are you presenting like, hey guys, I have this huge technical advancement. I'm going to present it in front of this plant, this like chemical plant that has zero to do with my company. Exactly. <laughs> Literally overnight, he became like his stock increased. Overnight. Like, overtaking yep. Wayne Enterprises. Like, I'm like, really, man? Exactly. Where, where's he, like, how? <laughs> where's the factory? Yeah. Where, where's the, yeah, where's the like, factory? Where does this go? By the way, so again, I, I just, I'm giving a lot of credit to cinema sins because it's important um this thing blows up in gotham gotham only it's in every every home in gotham has it it doesn't go nationwide it's not all over the world <laughs> i would really love for someone to explain to me why blowing up that made jim carrey dumb <laughs> yes also why does he lose information if they're no, no. also also the idea that for some reason I, I, I'm going to assume like they are visually showing us the green to like sh- kind the of story visually tell got, us yeah. what's going on. But even if that's the case, they don't they don't explain what it does. What nope. Washington like how does that work? Does he get their memories? Does like like apparently like, this machine that Batman <laughs> destroys acts as the iCloud. He <laughs> uploads everyone's information, he has access, and the moment it's destroyed, all of the info is gone. No, no, it's not gone. It's all injected into his brain. Oh, I get what Wi-Fi doesn't exist at this no. point in time. So I was like, this is this felt like one of those um, I think they were able to get away with this because people didn't understand. You know, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like it feels like one of those like old man fear movies, fear mongering yeah. movies where they're like, oh the internet's getting out of control and you know, we don't know how it works. And people will just be able to take your information right from the sky. Which is accurate, but the way that they displayed it is not. And it's cartoonish yeah. and, and and stupid. And I think it bothers me because you, we talked about this earlier. I love cartoons. I love psychology. I love Batman. And there is a way to do all these things for children and have children get it. Children watch Marvel movies now. Children watched E.T. Like, yeah, we honestly, get heart. We get very, like, again, Lion King is something that kids loved. And that has story. That has depth. One that, of the things I, I really hated about this, and I, I don't know if this bothered you at all, the scene where, like, they're putting the clues together, the way they get from all these random clues <laughs> to... Mr. E. Nigma. I was yeah. like, this so whole scene is fucking M-R-E. Nice. No one immediately goes, Mr. E. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. No, you go M-R-E. Like, what does M-R-E Mr. stand for? Mr. E. Also, Enigma. Mr. Enigma. That math don't make sense. <laughs> it just doesn't. <laughs> they, they point out that it's just like, okay, there's also the whole... Most things with Edward Enigma don't make sense. The yeah. idea that Bat... Again, Wayne Manor doesn't have security at all, apparently. The... At all. What <laughs> is... Someone explain to me how Jim Carrey was able to make the security footage of the guy look like he was committing suicide. Yeah. That technology does not exist at this point in time. 
So Bailey exists now. <laughs> the only way they could have done that was with like a body double or something like someone explain to me. Because that window is not broken in that footage. Yeah. yeah. It, it as a kid it drove me crazy and I couldn't put it together now. It because it, it doesn't make sense. This movie a lot of stuff takes sense, leaps man. and again this is that's my problem. All right, you guys you go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing that really didn't make sense, I don't know if you guys can clear this up for me, but um towards the end where they um they get the hideout, they destroy the Batcave. Uh Dick Grayson is like leaves <laughs> and then all of a sudden when it's time to go save the city he pops up out of nowhere with a brand new suit. Thanks for my help. And Alfred, Alfred go. Alfred's like, I made it for him because Bat Batman goes, "Who's your tailor?" And I feel like that's a legit question. No, like seriously, when did you have this made? <laughs> also, it's like, hey, Alfred, remember when that I was your boss and I told you not to encourage this guy? Um, you're fucking fired. That's what I'm saying. It's like the. the... The logic of Alfred doesn't make sense. Like, Alfred would not be this careless. Alfred is both Alfred and, like, who Morgan Freeman's Mr. Fox is in Christopher Nolan's movies. He acts as both of these people. He is a kind, gentle butler who has time to clean and take care of Bruce Wayne, but also technological advancement. Again, but, but here's the thing. If you're doing that for the last few years and you've raised this boy and therefore your livelihood is tied into... Like, for anything, for me, the moment that uh, Dick Grayson tumbles in to the Batcave and he's just, like, cocky, I was like, you should be terrified. Yeah. This man, his whole life and identity is based on no one knowing, and you just stumbled you into just one of the biggest secrets. You should be trembling. Alfred should give you a look that lets you know that your life will be ending in the next and five also, seconds. And also, it should be that serious. But literally, Bruce told a bunch of people at the circus he was literally going to tell Chase before they came in. He has no issue keeping Robin his identity a secret. Drives the Batmobile. Yeah, right on the street. So, guys, just, <laughs> hey, you're the guy who's living with Bruce Wayne, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. The dude who we just put in Bruce Wayne's custody is now the most famous guy in the city. Yeah, we all now know. Gossip calling us, remember? <laughs> we all we all know this. He's now in the Batmobile, and no one goes to to. Four. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, makeover. Are you guys ready for that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think just so. The, just the last thing I wanted to say about the bat. Um, yeah. I feel like the pace is kind of like all over the place. Yeah. Hundred percent. Um, in the very beginning, we get a really cool action, um, like action scene, him saving the uh, guy in the acid trap thing, and then it goes into meeting Chase, the whole love thing, and it it, it goes from like quick burst to like slow yes. quick burst to yeah. slow and one of the things that makes the nolan movie so great it's like it always builds up yeah yeah it always makes builds. there's sense. always something going even on even the quieter moments have so much at stake that you're you're still as intrigued during the moments when there's zero action happening yeah, yeah. all right uh get into the makeover all okay right. i know so, i, I, I want to ask you siege yes. what would you do differently all right so i i will kind of hit on this but one of the first things Dr. Chase doesn't make sense. And especially now, if we're going to redo this, make that Harley Quinn. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about the entire time. I was like, why is it this Harley Quinn? She should be Harley Quinn because Arkham Asylum, right there. Yeah. We see it. And, again, this would this makes sense for her origin story. Yeah. This, like, she came into obsessed town. Obsessed with Batman. Well, she came into town. She's obsessed with Batman. She gets this really good case. Again, you can have it the realer. You can have it be Two-Face. Whatever. She's diagnosing all the people. There's like a moment where she is with 
I think she's like with the Riddler or something like that. And there's just like, there are like dynamics that I can see happening. And I was like, the the idea that she would be kind of persuaded to sympathize with these villains as you were, for all the reasons that we've talked about, or just the idea that so many of them are fucked up and that Gotham has like just people coming out of the woodworks and it is a psychologist's dream would make sense. I also love the idea of like her being Harley Quinn, the movie going pretty much as is. And instead of that ending scene where they're kind of talking in front of Arkham, they're like, hey, uh, Miss Quinn, we'd like you to see your next patient. Goes into a room and we hear the Joker's laugh. Exactly. That would have been amazing. amazing. That that would have been awesome. The idea when she goes, she goes to Arkham to kind of talk to give the us Riddler. Some spoilers. Like, the well, spoilers, give us, give us some kind of dynamic because you know that she knows. And also, again, it's, we didn't even really get into the whole chase thing and the fact that she spends most of the movie like with one, but like with the other, and then she kisses Bruce, and she's like, oh, "You kiss like Batman." Yeah. Wait a minute. She's <laughs> like, "Hey, the person you're the same height and build as and smell exactly like, because I've smelled both of you. I think you're the same." So I, I, one of the things that I would do is make change Chase to Harley Quinn. Yep. Make this the origin story. I love what you just said in the tail end. Um, and I love the idea of even her feeling betrayed by Bruce Wayne. You know, it's just yeah. like, like all this other stuff. I feel like there's a great origin story there. I said, how about actually having a black Two-Face? That Now we're talking about duality. Yeah. Now we're talking about, hey, I was above the law. I did everything right. I was the district attorney. And look at me now. That's a that's a movie I want to see. That makes more like, sense. Like you have no idea what I had to do to get there, and now it's gone. Exactly. And now I'm ready to not give a fuck about anything. Exactly. Again, yeah. that's a two face that I want. And if we're gonna go Riddler, I was like, you know who I believe could be like a good Riddler. And again, even if we went campy, if we went campy but believable, Neil Patrick Harris. I feel like he would have oh, been... Oh, for like a reboot? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like he would have I think he was kind really of in the... Like, for a while when they were like trying to speculate where Nolan was going, like, everyone was trying to bring him up as a Riddler. Because he would have been a really good yeah. one. Or, my thing with the Riddler is the Riddler is a genius. Yeah. He is intelligent. Even these, like, in this movie, the Riddles were nothing. They weren't really Riddles. They were like... They were made for children. And also, Bruce Wayne is supposed to be the most brilliant detective ever. Ever. Yeah. Um, well, that's how he jumped from 1 and 8 should be 18. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things where it's just like, I I wish that there was more detective work. Like, one of the things I really like about the Ben Affleck uh, version of Batman is that his Alfred is like a, a seal. Like, yes. he has a reason to be able to contribute to Bruce's Absolutely. whole situation. It doesn't make sense for Bruce to have this mild-mannered old man around all of this craziness. Like... So, so, as much as I think Alfred is the most consistent part of the series, I really don't like that he is the way he is. Obviously, Har- Harvey Dent's a whole issue that needs to be corrected. I actually think I would prefer him not be in the movie at all. Like I said, I don't need... I would prefer if he was replaced with Mad Hatter or, like, literally Clayface. Any Because all he's supposed to be... All he is right now is an agent of chaos. That's his only role in the See, movie. See, I, I would have preferred... Just Riddler, I would, and too. then and then and instead of having one of those uh like like all star villains, like you introduced uh, Maroni in the in the court scene, like let's have a mob boss, let's have crime that you can that can create action sequences that isn't like a whole origin that you need to describe. Um, other dream casting I had for um, Riddler, just in the different interpretations. If you want like a nerdy genius, Michael Sarah. 
You know, it's like, like, like I don't see Michael. I, I think that's a Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. Well, I was going to say, well, no, no. <laughs> I, was, I said Michael Sarah or Jesse Eisenberg, but I feel like that, that's more, that nerd, that yeah. nerd trope that they were going for, by the way, in the beginning with Jim Carrey, because he's supposed to be nerdy and like, that's why he has the glasses and the long hair and like all yeah. this other stuff. I think there would be something to, I honestly could see Michael Sarah being like this goofy, like obsessive, almost creepy fan of Batman who, again, gets money, gets, like, you know, kind of strings up a little bit and thinks that he's smarter than Batman. Yeah. I can see that happening. And then there's two, like, for, like, a suave, sophisticated Riddler, I thought of Pablo Schreiber, who, I don't okay. know if you know, he was porn stash in uh, Orange yeah. is the New Black, mm-hmm. and he's in that show uh, American Gods. He does a really good job. And then also Eric Balfour. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Uh, who was in uh, Six Feet no Under. Like, um, I'll, I'll, I'll show you. But, like, yeah, those individuals, I feel like they have the look and, like, even, like, the kind of... You'd put them as what? As who? Riddler. I feel like they could do that, like, almost, in my mind, the animated series version of the Riddler, where he's, like, this tall, confident, um, almost posh yeah. version. I and mean, again, it's just like... A, Have well, you seen the show- Gotham? The, the show? No, I've never seen Gotham the show. He, he has that kind of look to him. Tall, skinny... Yeah, and that, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's kind of like the, the version... Uh, but uh, Diego, what, what, how would you make over this movie? I mean, you guys touched on it a little bit, but I would give Two Face a like a proper origin. You mentioned the whole mob scene. I think that's a perfect way to, you know, show that part of the Batman mytho- mythos. It's that that's a huge part of him. Is is the crime mob, the the, the Maroni family. Yeah. We got that in the in the in the Nolan movies, and I think that's that that's going to be more intriguing to a more of an adult audience um, than anything. Um, let's see what else. Um, obviously the campiness, get rid of it, get yeah. rid of all the jokes, all that, all, all that dumb reactionary stuff that Warner Brothers just tends to like to do. And, um, what else besides, I mean, those are my main two things that I really have an issue with. Um, do you have I any, mean, like, different about, not really. I, I just, I just love the cast. I feel like they, they would have done a great job if they gave, if they had the proper, uh, roles of each character. Yeah. Um, I'm a little indifferent about Robin. I, I honestly don't know if I would get rid of him or not. But I, I like I, I like know, the I character. Like I think I would recast the actor, at least to someone younger. Um, here's what I'm thinking for this movie. All right, because I actually like this movie. So <laughs> I would say that if I was just going to like make this movie better, I would change Robin to a younger character, maybe one of color. I would um, get rid of Tommy Lee Jones and I would kind of have the movie play out as is, but focusing a little bit more on mental health trauma and getting into the deep psychology stuff. Like I kind of would love, and I know this maybe will never happen. If I'm having my own take on this, I would love to see a Batman movie that kind of borderlines into horror a little bit. When I play Arkham Asylum, it's the scariest fucking game. Like, I am terrified of that game. game. Awesome. It's so good. And the fact that there's these terrifying array of villains that you have available to you with Batman, like the idea of him being stuck in an asylum with all of these characters that we already are aware of, I think that's a really cool idea. And obviously that's so far from where this story is, but thinking about Silence of the Lambs, thinking about like, like I just saw like the Ted Bundy documentary, like there's so much interesting stuff with the mental health aspect that Batman, like I said, is unique. 
Superman's villains, Iron Man's villains, like these villains aren't provoked by mental health issues the way that it seems like is the string line with all of Batman's characters. So having something that focuses more on that, maybe asylum based, I, I would love to see Arkham Asylum. I would love to see that video game brought to life in the movie. Um, so that would probably be my, my thing. Two things. We actually might with the new Matt Reeves movie. Apparently it's about to be a rose gallery. Oh, wow. We're, and we're really getting like dive into the, the, the detective part of Batman. Yeah. Like never before, so we might get that. Um, and um, I was gonna say that um, I'm forgetting well, now. Well, the the Joker movie that looks like it's coming out with Joaquin Phoenix seems super interesting because it's all about just like how this normal person is mentally evolving to the point where the Joker becomes something that makes sense. And I would love to see that. Yeah. So um, now. Um, so it just it actually makes me laugh because what you just pointed out is there's a meme that was like in the 90s like how do we make uh the joker throw him in some acid in the um 2000s how do we make the joker throw him in the military in yeah 2019 how do we make the joker throw him into society <laughs> just yeah. just let him exist in this world and he will go mad <laughs> i like that angle about pushing more to the horror genre yeah. i think if you're gonna push batman into any kind of other genre it would be that and which is why i would disagree that i don't think you can have both where it's like okay it's for adults but it's also for kids the way this movie was i don't think you can do that i, I think it's very batman difficult with batman all. because like you're either going to explore all the darkness that makes him the character that he is or you're going to ignore it for the sake of having something that's more commercial friendly and that's the compromise that we've seen throughout every single Batman movie. And the only one I think that really did it the best was Dark Knight, obviously. It's like the greatest crime movie. Nonetheless, like I think the best superhero movie. But ever, I'm, I, ever, yeah, ever, ever, ever. I, yeah. Here's the thing. I, I agree. And the thing about Bat, you know, the Dark Knight is it's a noir. Now that's a noir yeah. and done correctly. And Bruce is like actually a detective. Like he's actually figuring yes. shit out yes. that movie. And what I'm saying is I'm with both of you that I think in in the property itself and is which is what we moved to, um there's so much fan service and intrigue into the villains and Warner Brothers has never really let us go into it, at least on TV and um in the movies. They almost always hold out for the profits of the short term, which is like we want to do merchandise, and we want to do this. We want to, we, we, we're thinking about this one movie. And Marvel exactly. was like, you need to think about way more. Marvel thought ahead, and by doing so... We Marvel, thought about 35 th th movies. Think about, think about this. You can literally do each and every one of Batman's villains before you even introduce Batman. 100%. And they each get a movie, and then you bring it all together, where it's like they finally go, or just like... Their tentpole is Arkham, and then Arkham is just like all of them. One by one, we've seen their origin stories. We've seen them each get put into a cell, and then now they're loose. And yeah. Batman's introduced. And it's like there's so much that you can do with these movies or have Batman. I think they, I think they are always afraid to do this. Have Batman be a secondary character, but not in a way with like Gotham, where it's just like, okay, again, it's centered around Batman becoming, and that's... 
Smallville kind of did something yeah. similar. It was like, yeah, we get it. Um, one thing I do want to say that I would love to see from a superhero uh, version of, uh, I'm sorry, a motion picture version of Batman that I have yet to seen. And it really, it was the one thing that I did not like about Chris Nolan's movies was that it seemed as though Bruce hated being Batman. It was something he couldn't wait to stop doing in Nolan's movies. Like, I, when will the day come where the world will no longer need a Batman? Like, it's this question that's asked over and over again. Whereas, if you know this character from the animated series, from the comic books or whatever, Bruce Wayne is the mask. Yes. Batman is who he is. Yeah. Bruce Wayne is, I'm going to go out and I'm going to make a show so people fit, wouldn't expect that I am actually this person. But this is who I am. And it seemed as though that what I like about this movie was that this was the movie where Bruce was like, who, like I don't have to choose. I, 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 I can be both. Yeah. And so that's what I really actually think did this movie did well. And if I had to remake it, I would make that more of a central point. All right, you guys. So let's wrap this up. Um, Diego, do you have anything else you want to say or anything you want to like wrap this up with? Um, no, not really, man. I love being here. And, and so, but your favorite uh, super, uh, your favorite Batman movie is Dark Knight. Dark Knight, yeah. Number one. I mean, I, I feel like you're gonna find very hard. Okay, like, it's can, hard to argue against. Can we? Dark can we? Knight. Can we end with this this question, which is, if Dark Knight is off the table, what is your favorite Batman movie? Batman Begins. Batman Begins. See. Again, it's like it's hard because nostalgically eighty nine, but I also feel like in terms of like I loved the way Batman Begins went. Yeah, I loved that. I loved that take on on the material, sure. and that was I think it was successful because someone was like, finally, you get Batman. Yeah. One one thing I have to say. I love Chris Nolan's movies. Well, I didn't really care for the third one, but you know, whatever. I mean, like, yeah. Um. If I if Batman Begins was on TNT and Batman Forever was on TBS, I might end up watching Batman Forever. I know it's not <laughs> as good of a movie, but from an entertainment standpoint, I was thoroughly entertained from start to finish of this movie. I would a lot just, of entertaining moments. Maybe. I would just turn off the TV. And, you know, and, <laughs> I would read a book. And maybe it is the nostalgia of it, but I think there is something to campiness in the Batman world when you think about how we got the Batman we have today. Adam West and that TV show, how big of a role it played in the popularity of Batman. It almost is like campiness almost has this, uh, like this history. Again, my whole thing is they don't commit to it. Yeah. 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 Well, hold on. I, I wrote it down. Uh, crap. Damn. Holy rusted metal, Batman. <laughs> like what? No, there, there's whole in the rust. I actually thought that was really funny. No, that was not funny. <laughs> I, I liked played. it. I would like to. I hated it, I hated it I so hated much because it. it made no sense. It's just like no one says it that the way. No, I get the reference. All right, that, that's like a nods for the yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, that's fan service. Okay, yeah. all right. Thanks you guys for listening to another episode of Movie Makeover. Remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places. Um, you can find me at. So sorry. I'm gonna do that again. Yeah, please. Don't. All right. Thanks for watching. Sorry. Thanks for listening to another episode of Movie Makeover. Remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places at movie underscore makeover. You can find me on Twitter at extra siege. That's X T R A C E E J on Twitter. Uh, TC. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at abravermi, at dotbraver.me. And if you guys have any thoughts on how to make this movie better, any of the other movies we discussed better, please email us at moviemakeover at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on our social networks.
All right. Uh, as always, I'm Siege. And I'm TC. Makeover and out. Holy rusted metal, Batman. It's great. It's <laughs> terrible. <laughs>